Hey girls, you're listening to My Girl Podcast with Ruthie Ridley and Fina Ellerman. This is a podcast for every woman, every girl, every mom, sister, and friend. We can't wait to get started. Hey guys, welcome back to My Girl Podcast. We are stoked today, tonight, whenever you're listening, because we have a very special guest that is chatting with us all about financial planning. She has a very specific niche that we are so pumped to dive into today. But before we do that, I thought Vina and I would just chat really briefly about just finances in general. I mean, we just came out of the wildest year ever, 2020. Here we are. Fina, did we make it? Did we make it out? I don't know. I feel like everybody was so excited about like, it's a new year. And then I'm like, all the problems are still here. But I feel like we're- Oh my gosh. We're hanging in there. I mean, I'm hanging in there. I don't know about you guys. You guys- I'm hanging in there. Yeah. But I got to tell you, the thing that's making me get through are the memes. The memes have been awesome. <laughs> so I, that's what's keeping me laughing because it does feel like 2020 just kept right into 2021. And, yes. you know, last year was a really hard year for everyone financially. You know, here we are in 2021 still talking about stimulus checks, unemployment, that kind of thing. So it's still really affecting us. I love that we're starting the year actually talking about finances. Yeah, I think it's right on the head. And I know everybody's had a different experience. And so I think it's like a a really great time to be talking about this. And it's not too late. I don't think it's ever too late to like get on it and get your finances in order. So I'm really excited too. Well, guys, I am so excited. I know I said I'm excited 75 times already to introduce Christina Lynn. She is a certified financial planner and divorce financial expert. Let's talk about someone we absolutely need in our lives, guys. And I'm so excited to hear everything she has to offer us as people who are trying to make our finances better, people who are struggling financially, people who are in the middle of a divorce all of the things. Uh, Christina, thank you for being with us tonight. Yay. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited to be here too. Yes. Now I know I said a little bit about you, but tell us about what you do. Sure. So I'm a financial planner, which I think a lot of people think is only for the wealthy, which is really a fallacy. That's not true. It's Financial planning is about being proactive with your money and and really like putting a plan together to elevate yourself to the next level with your finances and alleviate all the anxiety that is that comes with all issues with money regardless of the stage that you're at with your finances and so that's what I do I help people with their put together a financial plan to level up in their financial life. A lot of that has to do with investments, but a lot of it has to do with like cash flow and estate planning and goal like it's oriented around goals. What what are what do you want to do with your money? Where do you what do you want to achieve for yourself and your fi- family and in, in your future? So, that's what I do like the overall and then you also mentioned my niche in divorce. We can get the, into that in a little bit, but I do have this kind of bizarre niche. Um, I went through a tough divorce, and so I ended up uh, with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. 
try, and I wanted to figure out like how to streamline that process so that other uh, women didn't have to undergo the challenges that I did and navigate it uh, more seamlessly and efficiently. So that's uh, something that I do on the side is financial consultations for the financial piece of divorce. That's so huge. You know, I feel like that's the part in the divorce that gets the messiest, right? That's where kids are involved and you have to split monies and it gets, it can get really, really yucky. Even without kids, you have assets. So that's money too. So it's much I could only imagine very, very needed. And it's funny, I was chatting with a friend recently and they were saying, you know, as you head into your 30s and 40s, you shouldn't just have your money kind of just sitting in the savings account, right? You you need to think about other ways of investment. And it's funny, at this age, you would think we would know, we understand, but this is an area in, in many people's lives that they're not educated. So I love that. Now, just really briefly, we would love to know, where are you from before we dive into all of the things? Well, if you can't tell from my very attractive accent, (laughs) I'm from up north near Canada. I grew up in Minnesota, and I now live in South Dakota. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, I could tell, but I don't know accent accent, so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have offered my my guess, but we love accents over here. Um, Ruthie's so got the the Boston accent or wait, no. Boston, Boston. back east. Yes. But you know what's funny, Fina? I don't know about you, but I've never met anyone from South Dakota. So I feel so cool right now that I've finally <laughs> met someone from South Dakota. Yes. <laughs> 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 repping South Dakota. I love it. Cool. I love it. We'd also love to know a little bit about your family and your day-to-day life. Oh, that's really a nice question. I don't talk about that very much. I'm a single mom. I have an 11 and a 12-year-old son and a daughter. And so they're my priority. I spend like pretty much all my free time being trying my best to be a good mom. Of course, you know, I'm divorced and single, so I only have them about half the time. So I I made it my mission to kind of rise up in my career. So I went and got my master's degree and now I'm getting my doctorate. And so that's, I do I spend a lot of my free time when they're not around doing my doctoral work, which is a lot of work. And then I try to keep sane by my hobby. My adult hobby is running spartan races i don't know if you know what that is of course yeah. come on you do? I look up to these it. type of people yes. come on. <laughs> oh my gosh well, i like barely slide by but i do a lot of burpees but it's a lot of fun <laughs> i'm sorry but i feel like everybody that we have on the podcast is just doing like amazing things and like not just like two things but like five billion things like I didn't even know about the doctorate thing. Like, that's amazing. And I was going to ask, like, how how are you doing all this? Like, even in the middle of COVID, like, how has that affected home life, work balance, you know, self-care, just doing things that you enjoy doing? Yeah, it's been so hard. I know that was one of the questions that you're going to ask me later, but I've had major changes in my personal life because of COVID. It was so hard when my kids, um, I had to homeschool my kids. So on top of doing working full time and going to school, then I had to be like a teacher and it it was so hard. So I kind of burnt out this spring and then made some adjustments to get back on track this fall. But, you know, 
we all faced that together. I was certainly was not the only person and it, it felt like I was barely keeping it together, but we got through and it had to make a couple of changes. I bet. Now you said that you had a 12 year old. Did I catch that earlier? Yeah, I have an 11 and a 12 year old. So what what are you drinking in the Spartan race juices? They give you the fountain of youth. Guys, I wish you could see this woman. She looks 18. It's crazy. That must how she has kids this age. You're so sweet. You look phenomenal. Yeah, you're doing you're doing something good, girl. So Christina, how did you get in get started in financial planning? Let me tell you something. You gotta like numbers, you gotta like math. And it's not my strong point. So how'd you get into it? You know, I mean, it's not as much, it is math. I, of course it's math, but it's not as much like number crunching as you might think. 90% of the decisions that we make financially are emotional. So I actually do more work with like behavioral coaching than I do number crunching with my calculator and with my software. Of I course, you never think that. Me neither. I'm yeah. like, I'm blown. It's not really known by the public. There was a study done by Morningstar recently that showed that investors, like their number one important thing in a, in a financial advising relationship is return on investment. And their, their last thing on their list was the behavioral coaching that they offer. And it's the opposite when you interview financial advisors, because they realize that it's actually not really about the rate of return, because there's so many things, 90% of the things that you do mess with the rate of return. So you have to like fix the, the, the things that are causing you to make decisions that kick you in the butt with, with your investments and your finances. Wow. That is so crazy. I'm going to ask this next question because I'm, I'm already thinking about it. Like we wanted to know what your schooling experience was like, but you're talking about the behavioral stuff too. I'm thinking you probably, I'm thinking you went one way probably in schooling, but I'm guessing that you've had to do all sorts of training. Like it doesn't, it's not just like, I'm sure it's like multidimensional, like even for somebody who's maybe interested in something that you're doing, like what, what was your experience with school? I know you got your master's and you're working on your doctorate, but where did you begin? So I had my bachelor's when I was married as a stay-at-home mom, like I stopped working. And then when I got divorced, I, I had to like come up with a second career quick. And so that's when I decided I did some kind of personality tests. And then my experience with in my divorce and, and transitioning from being a stay-at-home mom, not knowing anything about my finances, and then a reality check of like, oh my gosh, I really need to get my stuff together financially. All of those sorts of things kind of combined to set me on the path to become a financial planner. But I would say anybody that's interested in a financial planning career it is a great time to get involved, particularly for women. It's We're only about a quarter of the financial advisors, and they're an aging population. And so they're looking for younger, I, this, that sounds bad when I say it like that, but we women need to be re- represented in this field, and it's a great opportunity to start. And I would say anybody that's interested uh, working towards getting your certified financial planner designation is a really great place to start. And that's where I got started. It's 
you practically almost have to get a master's anyway. So I just went the extra mile to finish all the degree. That was smart. That was smart. I know you had mentioned this before and, and probably briefly, but shoot, I'm about to hire her. I I know. I was like, Oh my gosh. After we get off of here, I need her. (laughs) I mean, do you do zooms? What kind of services do you offer? I'm already thinking I'm sitting here. I know Fina's our minds are going, we need you. What kind of services do you offer? Yeah, that would be great. I think that um, it's important that you find somebody that you trust and and can work well with because it's most likely going to be a lifetime relationship. So reach out to me, check out our firm. It's kaylerfinancial.com. You can also reach me at christina at kaylerfinancial.com. And I'd be happy to just chat with you quick about, you know, what you're looking for. And I can give you some direction um, and some guidance on maybe some next steps. That's huge because let me tell you something. Most of us don't know where to begin. Like literally that next step, you know? I'm raising my hand right now. You can't see me, but I'm (laughs) raising my hand. I get intimidated by this stuff, to be honest. Like I want it like so much. Like I want to be, I didn't, I don't know that I had that experience growing up, just like circumstantial, not like, but it's hard to like reach out and know who to talk to, like you're saying. So just having that resource will be amazing, I think, for our listeners as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not the right fit for everybody, but to um, you can trust me and um, I will put you, I'll give you some ideas of a good next step for your situation. And I think that a lot of times that's all we need is like, can you just point me in the right direction? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I appreciate that, Christina. Yeah, me too. So just on all this that you're doing and like you were saying, your financial planner, like you have a relationship with them. I'm curious, like what is your mission and like what drives you to do what you do? I love that question because I have a powerful answer. I, when I was a stay at home mom, I just had my head in the sand with my finances and I was intimidated just like you. And then when hard times hit and they hit us all. For me, my hard times was just financially related. I had no income. I had kids to support and I had an, like, I couldn't get hired. I couldn't even get hired at like entry level jobs in the the state that I lived in because my resume was seven years outdated. It was horrible. And like, I couldn't start with most jobs because the timing was wrong with the daycare and things like that. It was just, it was really tough. And so I made it my mission to empower women with their finances so that they didn't make the same mistakes that I did. And they didn't fall into the same intimidation uh, traps that you're talking about. Cause they can be kind of minor for some people like you. I'm sure that you still are flourishing and, all those aspects of your life and you're just being vulnerable by saying that, but with other people, like it really does hold them back. And that's what inspired me is to get back on my feet and figure this out and then teach women how to handle it better than I did. Awesome. (laughs) That's so good. That is so powerful. So huge. It also shows people every single day that it's like, I, everyone has to start somewhere. You don't just come out on top. You don't just, 
like we look at you right now and we think, oh, this woman is incredible. Not only is she a single mama, but she's rocking a full-time job and a side hustle, you know, but you started somewhere and there was a reason why you are where you are now and you had to hustle to get there. Yeah, it was, it was so humbling and yeah, hard times, but I feel like I'm not alone. We all go through those and it's, it really depends like your outcome depends on your attitude with how you deal with those hardships is like, are you going to be a victim? Are you going to be like, are you going to take this and learn from it and make and refine what God gave you or refine the skills that you have to make yourself just sharp? Yeah. Like perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. And like, I think every woman needs to hear that is crippling. Finances can be crippling. And I'm just like thinking about my own life and how finances finances and not being prepared has affected it. But I like I I haven't even experienced like the worst of it. So and I even really liked that you said that you appreciated that question because like it just speaks to like your heart. And I'm I really care about the people that we have on this podcast, Christina. So, you know, we kept saying we were so excited, but like we really are, you know what I mean? So it was just good. You had said that you're intimidated by investments and you don't know where to start. And I just wanted to give two kind of quick tips is from my angle, uh, like from a bird's eye view is the two best things that you can do for yourself is just to start saving money, which requires cash flow. And so don't over, like we're all in what's called the accumulating phase. And so, yes, it does matter like what you're investing in, but don't overthink it. You can reach out to people like me and get help, but as long as you're saving something regularly, you're not going to go wrong with that. And so just by starting in that habit of of saving regularly, you're doing a really good job. Be proud of yourself. Don't second guess yourself. Just make it uh, keep going with that habit. And two, the way you get there is by managing your cash flow, particularly in this phase of life, as long as it doesn't you can get as uh, deep into the weeds with your budget that you want, but as long as you're saving money, you're good. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so you don't good. need to complicate it like much more than that. Of course, I'll probably get in trouble by like the, the other elite financial planners, but like I, it can be boiled down to something that is that simple. That's good. It like releases that pressure. I love that. And you obviously cannot invest if you don't save money, if you don't have something to invest. I love that. Thank you. Christina, as you mentioned earlier, a large part of your career is focused, or like the side part, I guess, is focused on finances related to divorce. So was it just like kind of learning by experience? I guess my question is like, how did it help you in your own personal experience drive and hone in on this specific area and you, where you found like, this is really helpful. For this, these tips are really helpful for me and they'll be really helpful for other women. Okay, so I'll start by, I think I'm going to answer your question, right? But if I don't answer it fully, just re-ask it. Yeah. 
my getting started in financial advising is tough and they I had the advice to market to people like me and so I knew I had this like really bizarre experience with a high net worth divorce it was super messy um unfortunately now I coach people how to not do it like that but <laughs> and so that's really how I got started and like I said, I wanted to find a way to make it better or like more efficient and less stressful for women who came after me. Well, it turns out that there is a more efficient and streamlined way to handle finances and divorce. And I didn't know about it until I studied it after it was all said and done. And there's the way that divorce used to work is that there, it was just your divorce attorney that represented you and you just trust that attorney and that he takes you or she takes you through the entire process from A to Z. And that is not efficient because it, it can be in certain circumstances, but in cases that are like contested or messy or that have more complicated finances, it's not the best strategy because attorneys are not trained in finan- in financial planning. Right, so right. they don't know like they don't know the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. They don't know the difference between a pre-tax and a an after-tax contribution. They don't know the difference between splitting up a 457 plan and a 401k. Like they just they don't know the nuances of all those things and 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 not to mention like equity in the house like how do you weigh the differences in like these different types of assets yeah it's the biggest shift that people go through financially in their life is a divorce i hope it never happens to any of you or any of your listeners but if it does happen it's a major change and you only have one chance to like get it to to do it a right. And so anyway, I I found that there was this niche called divorce financial analysis. And so that's what I went after. And I learned a lot. And it turns out that I can offer just like invaluable advice to these people. I give advice to men as well, but I, I can offer them invaluable advice and kind of what we had talked about before, just pointing people in the right direction. I listen to their story. I hear kind of high level what's going on. And then I give them advice on the spot. Like you should really think about doing this or like, this is what I recommend. And then other times it needs a a deeper dive and I do actual uh, reporting. I do analysis and I give property settlement recommendations So like, here's how I would split it. This is the implications for your net worth and your net income over a a period of 30 years. This is what it looks like for both parties. So it's, it's a, a neutral report that can be um, given to the judge if necessary. So anyway, that was a long answer. No, but I I mean, I'm glad that you said it because I've not been in this situation and I hope to never be, but I I realize like I have friends that are going through similar stuff like this and it's such an emotional experience and it's messy. And like, you're right. Like a traditional lawyer, like divorce lawyer is not going to know all this stuff, all of that stuff that you would say, I would not know to think of any of that. So a service that you provide is like invaluable. Like it just kind of like takes that off of their, their shoulder to not have to like wade through all that stuff. Like I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And I think that 
this topic was somewhat taboo, even when I got divorced eight years ago, or maybe at least in the Midwest, it's not talked about as much. And so I think like taking the, having professionals that come, can come in and come alongside you and take the emotion out of it and just, and say like, look, here's the nuts and bolts. I understand what you're going through. Let me show you how, like, let me hold your hand and help you through this. I, I just think that it it makes a world of a difference. Yeah. And I, and, and I think what you're saying, like, it's clear that money is like crucial and plays a different role in our lives, like in different seasons and challenges and whatever. So as we, we transition, like, how would you say that your money life changes after having kids? I think that when you have kids, you have, you become so much more selfless. Um, I don't think anybody goes around prior to having kids thinking that they're selfish, (laughs) but like, it's just, it happens when you have kids, like your priorities change. You have to like go from a one bedroom apartment to a two bedroom house. And then it, it keeps growing from there. I used to spend my money on really fun things. And now it's, you know, like budgeting and piano lessons and things like that. So just, it really changes. And it's really, it's being a parent is so much work. I love it. I adore it. It's very rewarding and I would do anything for my kids, but it it's, all encompassing and you kind of forget yourself as a mom because your prior your focus it becomes on your kids. And so it's easy to put things on the back burner that aren't an immediate priority and then you forget about them until they're like a lot older. And so when it comes to your finances, it's easy to like not think about like how much you're saving or what, how, how you're saving it, what you're putting it in. Are you putting it in the right kind of vehicle? Like all those, do I have enough life insurance, estate plan? Like all those things, who has time for that? I, know, I was like, oh my about, gosh. <laughs> I know. I'm not, I don't want to think about those things either. Like it's overwhelming when I have bigger fish to fry, right? Yeah. Have you seen that too in your your experience, Ruthie? Because I'm sitting here like thinking about all the things that I get to spend my money on. And I'm I'm also like, I don't have kids and I'm like starting, I'll be starting later in like my life and my experience. So I feel like it's going to be even harder to like sacrifice those things I've been spending money on. Oh yeah. I think it's smarter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wisdom is there, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're, you're talking actually a lot about sacrifice. What are, what are some things that you've learned along the way being a mom and someone who's really in tune with financial planning? What are some things you would say you shouldn't sacrifice uh, financially? I would say it's natural in partnerships for one of the partners to have, to have more strength when it comes to finances, whether maybe neither of the partners are like financial wizards and have, you know, the Robin hood app or something like that. But typically one is more dominant or carries more of the responsibility. I would say it's time for that trend to stop in our generation. Like we both partners need to be invested in knowing what's going on. It doesn't mean that you need to call the shots or like 
you know, subscribe to Money Magazine or have this be your hobby. I'm not saying that. But I, I will say emphatically that everyone, everyone in a partnership needs to understand what's going on in their financial life, needs to know like how much is coming in, where your money be, is being spent, like where your, your savings accounts are, investments accounts are, know where your debt is at. Nobody can turn a blind eye to it. Nobody can stick it their head in the sand. It's time to really own that partnership. Oh, I'm glad that is wisdom. That, that yeah. is wisdom for many, many years. I mean, even in my marriage, my husband does the majority of our finances and, you know, it's not, I don't know what it is. It, I think it's easier for him to just know everything and for me to focus on everything else. But if I, you're right, it's important for both people to be aware so you can make just wise decisions about your financial planning. And also, oh, we have that debt over there. So maybe I don't need that new car or that grill or whatever, because we are working toward a goal here together. Yeah. It absolutely doesn't mean that that relationship needs to change. Like he can continue to be the play the lead role in that. Yeah. But you, you should know the foundations of what is going on with your money and not be, I feel like there is a really clear distinction between like turning a blind eye to your finances and, and not doing that. Like at least embracing like the strategy of the family. That's good. That's good. Then that's a big, there is a difference there for sure. Yes. I'm really glad you both said what you said, because I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm more of the budgeter and like, my personality and just like the way I grew up, I need like security and I need to plan. Whereas Trent's like, Hey, you want pizza? Hey, you want to eat out? Hey, you want to do this? Hey, like, let's have fun, you know? And so that scares me sometimes. Cause I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Like I'll take care of that. But like, I'm glad that you said that Christina, because I think he, he can see everything we spend, what we have or whatever, but just bringing him in, like along for the ride a little bit more. Like he doesn't have to be super invested like I am, but just so that when we are making those decisions together, like he understands, you know, like it's not just like Fina saying, no, no, we can't do that. Like he understands where our money's at and what the goal is. That's really Mm -hmm. good. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, Christina, aside from planning for your family financially, what would you say are some key things that women should keep in mind when it comes to to money? Is there some sort of checklist or anything that you uh, recommend? Yeah, so let's try to keep it simple so we don't overwhelm anybody. But one thing that you should have is a, a retirement account in your own name. I would suggest either... Most likely a Roth IRA will work in a lot of situations for your listeners, but you can talk with your tax advisor. Traditional may also be beneficial for you. Don't overthink this. You you do want to make sure um, you follow the law, of course, but it, just a quick consult with your tax advisor would let you know that answer. Totally. But get a retirement account in your own name. It's what it's going to do for you is give you a little bit of ownership in the process of the the family financial plan. Even if your spouse is, you know, they have it covered and, you know, you you share assets anyway, it doesn't matter. The having it in your own name does two things for you. It gets you some skin in the game like you you are forced 
to decide what to invest in. A good kind of default to go with is the target date fund. It's not the favorite of all financial planners, but if you don't have any financial advisor that's consulting you on what to decide, it's kind of like an autopilot way to start. So but it's it forces you to at least like address some of these issues that give that a lot of women get intimidated about and so once you do it once it's not as scary and and you feel that sense of ownership like oh i have this in my name like i know what you're talking about um it's easier for you to ha- like find your voice and I'm the like second taking thing, notes over here like wait hold on a second so yeah, the tar- so Roth IRA or traditional IRA, the, the Roth IRA is after tax, but you're not going to owe tax on it when you retire and take the money out. The traditional IRA, most likely you'd get a tax deduction on that, which can be beneficial to you know people who are looking to reduce their tax bill. But either way, like we said before, don't overthink it, like just get started in something and start saving regularly. Uh, that's going to give you that dollar cost averaging, which is is powerful by rather than just sticking in it, a bunch of money once a year, putting in like $100 a month or whatever, you know, tw- even if it's $25 a month, that's going to help you to get that edge with dollar cost averaging. And the, uh, the second thing it's going to do for you is if an emergency ever comes up, you have something in your name that you can tap into, which is another nice thing about Roth IRAs is if you follow the rules accordingly, you can take out the money that you put in it prior to retirement age, which I've seen plenty of people that even though that's not like advisable, but I'd like you to keep it in there until retirement, life happens. And sometimes like... It, it needs to be done. Yeah. And there's somebody who just recently lost their job and they had to do that. And it's just like, it, it kind of it gave them some runway to like, you know, figure things out. And so that's really good advice. Yeah, I love that. So retirement account in your name, anything else that we should keep in mind? Um, yes. Thank you. I kind of lost my <laughs> no <worries. laughs> train of thought there. All good. All good. Another thing that I think is good for you is, this is probably not what you want to hear, but like, if you have a family and you have debt of any sort, you should have a life insurance policy. It's like one of those last things that you want to think about, but you just don't, this, like, I just had a family friend pass away, like very unexpectedly, not due to age. And so you just don't want to leave your family in a lurch. And so you should have at least enough in a life insurance policy to like uh, cover the necessities. I have a question. And mm-hmm. maybe I should know this and maybe other No, it's don't. okay. So if you do have a family member that dies and they're in debt, does that debt get passed on to you? No, it the estate will handle it. So okay. it's it doesn't go it well, I shouldn't I would say like in general, that's a role that you shouldn't be in fear of. But there might be like you know, it's kind of weird circumstances that may say otherwise. So I don't want to claim to be an expert on that matter. Yeah. But I like if your grandpa had credit card debt, it shouldn't be passed on to you if okay. you're the next okay. in line. <laughs> We're all like oh. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Oh, man. Life insurance policy. Check. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll never forget when a couple years ago, actually, Ben was very adamant about us getting a life insurance policy and I was super weirded out by it. Yeah. It bothered me. It's, it feels dark. And yeah. he said what you said, like, I just, we hope to never, ever be in this situation, but it's actually stupidity to not have one. And, you know, it, it's just not wise. And I'm like, okay. So for many years now, we've had one and I always thought it was stupid, but it's not. No, it's kind of one of those like taboo issues. Like we had mentioned, um, it shouldn't be taboo. This is just, it's wise financial decisions. And it like, in a way it can be romantic and maybe I'm pushing it with that, but like, he's taking care of you and you're taking care of him because you know, you're dependent on each other in a lot of ways. And so I know that in regards to like creating a will or a trust, if you have minor kids or a lot of money, (laughs) I felt the same way with setting that up is that this is, I cried during the process. It was really stressful and I didn't like it. It felt dark, like you said, but it like now that I have it done, I have so much peace that like, I didn't know that that was even an issue before. Cause I know that if anything were to happen to me, like my kids are taken care of, everything is according. Like I, I feel very protected and like I've protected my family. Yeah, no, that's, that's nice. really cool. I hated doing that. Actually, I hated doing the will, the who's going to take the kids if something happens, but it's just, it's being wise, isn't it? And it's being aware that life does happen. Well, cool. Okay. Retirement account in my own name, life insurance policy, anything else? <laughs> um, Let's see. You know, people can, okay. Yes, I have one. Okay. Let's talk about emergency funds. So I'm yes. hitting all these topics that are like kind of taboo, but I'm trying to make it not taboo, but like probably seem like, oh, Christina, stop giving me all these chores. <laughs> I want to bring some light into this topic. The emergency fund, it, the traditional suggestion is to have three to six months of living expenses. And actually, I'm happy to sh- kind of give you an alternative to that. The research shows that an emergency fund of around $2,500 is sufficient for most emergencies. Wow. Now, we we just went through a pandemic, which and a lot of people lost their jobs. And so, you know, with something like that, it would not suffice. Like, you would need more money in a true, like, extended yeah. crisis like that. But for most emergencies that come up in your life an emergency fund of $2,500 research shows should cover that and keep you from a cycle, an unhealthy cycle of putting money on a credit card and then, oh crap, I don't have enough money to pay that off. And then it carries to the next month and it becomes like this ball of stress that you have, like, you don't know how you're going to do it. Then you have to take money out of your 401k as a loan. And yeah, so that's good. That's good. This is kind of like an off topic. Sorry, Fina. Did you no, have go for it? Okay. When would you say, like, as a mom of kids your age, so I've got a, a nine-year-old, ten-year-old, and an almost twelve-year-old. When do you start thinking college? When is wisdom for that? So you mean like when do you start saving for college for yeah. them? There's really great online calculators for that. You can, you or a financial planner, you can contact me. I can probably like get 
point you in the right direction for this, but that's a powerful exercise for you to go with because it can, you can figure out, well, I may not be able to afford full four years at a private university, but I could provide $15,000 for four years for you, for you to spend wherever you want, or like you, you kind of figure out what is manageable in your situation and how much given the time. So if your kids are nine right now, how much time do they have before they head off to college? How much would you need to save by that time in order to fund your goal? Yeah, There's some really cool tools out there that can help you figure that out. Of course, the answer is the sooner the better, but the reality is like that's way easier said than done. Yeah. It's never too late, but you know what I I would say, I don't see a whole lot of parents being able to just like say like hey, go wherever you want, I'll pay, I'll foot the bill. But right. what I do see more and more is is parents saying I, this is what I can provide you. And this is the legacy, you know, that I want to pass on to you with this. And like, if you handle it right, it can just be something really special that means a lot to your kids. And it can be like a teaching tool to them too. So a lot of it is just in the way you frame it. And then one last piece on that question is I, I do hear more and more that parents don't so much want to tie it to like the college expenses only, but they're thinking, I want this to be flexible enough that they could use it to put a a down payment on their first house or buy a business, you know, if it, if it comes available, things like that. And you can, you can open different types of accounts. You can cater that to your wishes, as long as you're kind of thinking of it before you you start. Yeah, if that makes sense. No, that's good. Oh, wow. That's so good. Yeah, just different different ways to approach it. Like I never really thought. Like I hear people go to college, their parents are like paying up the wazoo, and it's also an option to be like, this is how much you have for this year, this year, this year. Like you can reframe it. You can do it however you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really like up to the parents how they want to structure it. And I, I also say that if you're not if like the parent is not in the financial position to offer that to their kids, it's not worth putting yourself in financial jeopardy to provide that to your kids like you have to take care of yourself first so I'll just throw that out there too because I see that some it's not all the time but like once in a while I do see you know unhealthy decisions with making provisions to your kids when you really can't afford it yourself yeah wow that's so oh man I think somebody needed to hear that (laughs) that's so good that takes a little bit of the pressure off you know you want to make sure there's food on your table the lights are turned on the mortgage is paid. They, you know, they've got clothes on their back and, you know, the basics. And then you get into saving for all those really big things and knowing that even saving for vehicles, you know, is, is a true privilege, you know? So, I mean, my dad gave me his 1989 Toyota and that was it. That was all, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't need to be, I feel like that's a, like a kind of a cultural expectation a little bit, but I challenge you to like, think critically about that with you, your spouse or your partner. And is that the right decision for us? Is it the right decision for our family and for our kids? And it also really changes like in the early years of parenting, money is so tight and it loosens up a little bit as your kids get older. And so you may be 
you may find yourself more able to like prepare a gift for your kids, like a monetary gift like that for your kids. When they get older, I have one client that wants to give their, their daughter, their daughters, three girls, a gift of $15,000 when they turn uh, 30. And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't need to be like this, the college program, but you know, create your own path. Yeah. Preparing them for life. It can be anything. That's that's really cool. And, you know, you even think about when you talk about that at 30 and stuff like that, but you think about people giving, what do you call it? Now I'm drawing a blank, an inheritance Mm -hmm. of some sort and wanting to do that in whatever way you think. Some people, like you said, want to make sure their kids don't pay a dime for school. Some want to make sure they have a huge down payment for their house. Some want to make sure that they pay for the whole wedding. There are all kinds of things that we have to think about and you can make it your own, what you want, your inheritance, Mm -hmm. you want your money to go toward for your child. That's right. It's, it's all about you. That's the fun part about this is your financial plan is about you. Not what about what it should be. Yeah. And and, And it's for like to have freedom in your finances, not to be like held and bound to them in a, in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we could talk about this all day, but I think I want to know more about like investing. I want to know like what's considered an investment. And I feel like a lot of people are getting into like stocks, like even like younger people are, you know, buying stocks. Like you can do that from your, like your cash app. You know what I mean? So like how important is investing your money really? And like, there's so much information out there, but like, how would you suggest someone get started? You know, in a, in the same way that we're kind of intimidated about like saving and seeking out financial planning. Like I'm kind of a little intimidating about like just investing my money. Like, is it just in life stuff? Like, I don't know. what What's the difference between setting up an, a retirement fund versus like putting, investing in a house or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great questions. And I think it's awesome that you're vulnerable enough to ask them because I guarantee you that like most of the people have the same questions. You know, it's confusing. I would say to simplify it, and of course, with the disclosure is that these, you know, what I'm talking about is an overgeneralization. And really, like if you want real financial advice, like you need to seek somebody to to look at your own case and your own risk tolerance and age and goals but to boil it down to at least like give you something to talk about here is that for the average investor I would stay away from stocks like individual stocks which is kind of confusing to I think the average maybe your average listener like the average person because yeah I'm shocked I can't believe this A lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to go buy XYZ stock on on my app and, you know, watch what it does. Yeah. The thing with that is you have, you're running into two problems, diversification, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, or maybe you have five baskets or whatever, but you're putting, you're putting a lot of emphasis on that one company and how it's going to perform. And the thing is there's better options out there. That's like a, it's kind of an antiquated way to go about it. They have what's called like indexes. I don't know if you've heard of that, but they're like the S and P 500 is an index, for example. And so it puts 
500 of the largest companies together and you're following what they do versus you picking out like one needle in the haystack to see how that's going to perform. That's one of the issues with buying one stock is that it's antiquated. There's better like options out there and that provide much better diversification for you. So get with the times people. (laughs) (laughs) And the second thing that happens, which may be even like a stronger reason to avoid that is the behavioral aspect. It tests you like you would not believe. And I personally have gone through it as well. So like, I won't sit here and (laughs) on my soapbox and pretend like I don't run into it either. It's just easier to avoid it. When you are looking at one stock, or even if you have 20 stocks or 10 stocks, it's so easy to get tied into that emotionally and, and like kind of outsmart yourself with, Like, when do I sell this? When, when is the best time for me to get in and out of this? Or like, how, how do I uh, maneuver my plan around these stocks? Yeah. And that's the 90% of decisions that get made emotionally versus intellectually. Wow. And let me tell you, people underperform the index, the benchmark when they do that. Yeah. It's just the best of us do it, the professionals, the the people who are day trading all the time, like we all do it. So it's easier. It's, it's wiser to just like not take that approach. Yeah. So I guess then in the interest of time and I'm I'm sure we could talk, I mean, I want to know so much, but (laughs) what's just like a good starting point then? Like the index, is there anything like I have my, our first, first home is a condo, but then I'm thinking, should I keep my condo when we move into a bigger home and rent it out? Like, what are some just like kind of those types of investments? Okay, yeah, I sort of gave you like what not to do and didn't give you anything. Oh no, we want all of it. Yeah. Okay, so I love uh, real estate. I think that that's one of the greatest things about the U.S. is we have like a healthy um, real estate and mortgage market, and it's one of the best ways for people to leverage their finances to level up like they not in not in all countries can you go and get a mortgage to to buy a house or buy like investment property so if it you you have to run the numbers and make sure that you can afford it if you yeah. if you're stretching yourself thin you're asking for trouble so you do need to be like ha- use some common sense with not common sense cuz that's not the right word but like you do need to run the numbers and make sure that you're with my financial advisor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or even a good mortgage advisor, mortgage officer, I think is what they're called. You know, they'll a good one will make sure that your cash flow can cover it. And if it can't, don't go through with it. Because then you kind of like the emergency fund, like you're creating a larger problem for yourself down the road. So I do love real estate investment. I am not an expert in that area either, so I can't speak too much about it, but I do like, I think that the, that it's a, a good use of your, at your, it's a worthwhile endeavor, yeah. I think. And I think that I don't, I'm not 
one of the pe- people that's in the camps of like, you need to pay off your mortgage in order to be financially free. I think that mortgage rates, if you get a fixed rate, they're at historic lows right I now. Know. So yeah. it's like a really good use of, it's called leveraging your your money. And so it's a great time. Be wary of refinancing. I hear a lot of people just like go willy nilly refinance because their mortgage officer called them up and said it was a good deal for them. That is not always the best idea because you start your amortization schedule over and there's like, uh, there's fees involved. Again, I'm, I'm generalizing here, not in every case, but I I just say that to, um, give, you know, you, you do need to make sure that you're crunching the numbers and, and assessing the situation before just diving in. But I do like real estate. And if I think that getting, renting out your condo and getting a new property sounds definitely like it's worth looking into. So definitely like pursue that. I think that that's, I think that it should definitely be considered if that's something that's possible for you. And then Indexes or ETFs are another great option, like I had alluded to, to avoid the individual stocks and just go with indexes. I mean, that's just a great start. It's just an idea because I think it seems like small fish in a big pond and you're like, where do I even begin? But you've made it really easy to kind of like process, like bite off a little bit and process. So I think that's good about you, Ruthie. Yeah, I think that is great. I mean... I almost feel like I could take a class. I'm overwhelmed, but I'm excited in so many ways about just what you said. Even in the last 10 minutes, I'm like, you are a wealth of knowledge. We always like to end, Christina, with just like advice and encouragement for our listeners. We always say, me and Ruthie, like we invite people on who like talk about things that we're going through, not just like random stuff, you know? Right. And like, I do ask questions that I'm like, I'm, I am afraid and I have been afraid to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it because I know that I'm not the only person who wants to know. And mm-hmm. I the same thing with like the encouragement. Like, I think, you know, we are really moved by what you say. And I, I just know that there are other women out there that need to hear from you. So any last negative wisdom, encouragement, advice, bring it on. We, we are so thankful. Yay. I love ending on a note of encouragement. So I want to end this delightful conversation uh, with a note of encouragement to your listeners to be gentle with yourself when reg- in regards to money. I have a feeling that everyone out there is working their tail off and really giving it their best effort. And this stuff is complicated and we aren't really taught these things in school. And a lot of people, most of what you learn actually comes from your family. It's called family socialization, financial socialization. And so don't beat yourself up that you don't have all of these things. Some of us did learn a lot from our families and did learn it in school, but the rest of us, it's the wild west and we're just like, you know, piecing it together and and learning it on our own. And so be gentle with yourself and remind yourself that this is something that you can learn. Just like I learned how to dye my roots of my hair. That didn't come naturally. Like I learned that skill. You can learn a skill of basic money principles. Like it's not out of your reach. It is something that you can 
figure out and be good at, and you don't need to become an expert in it to make your finances really proficient and, and to become prosperous in your future. And then with that, be careful with the language around how you talk about yourself or your ability with money. I hear all the time, I am not good with numbers. I don't understand anything about my finances. Oh, I'm not a cutout for that. I hear it in a very like negative connotation with like self, you know, I think they're trying to be humble about it, but be careful around that because you are capable of this. Um, It just takes a little bit of learning and from the right source, you can, you can master it to the level that you need. That's amazing. And thank you so much. And also too, like, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that it's never too late to start. Like, I feel like that might be something that would hang up. What would what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe not just entering their 30s or in their 20s? Like, what would you say? I love that because I felt like I was so late. I started a career <laughs> over at 32, and I felt like my life was over. <laughs> really, like it's all relative. Like you're you're never going to be the oldest or youngest person in the room. And what are you doing comparing yourself to anyone else anyway? Like yes. this is your own race. This is your own story. And it is never too late to get on that horse and get it figured out. Oh my gosh, that's so good. You know what I have really thoroughly enjoyed with our conversation today is many times when I speak to someone who is in this line of work, when they talk to me, it feels very over my head. And I love that you, first of all, didn't judge us for not knowing anything or not knowing a ton, but you invited us in and made it really simple for us to understand and follow and feel like I can take this on in my life and, and be successful with planning my finances in every arena. We covered so much tonight. And I do feel, I feel empowered. I don't know about you, Fina, but I feel like I know what my next step is even after this conversation. Yeah, no, 100%. Like it's invaluable information. It's something I could listen to tomorrow. It's something I could listen to in a year. And like we, we've said this over and over again, but we're super thankful just for like, this is something you didn't dumb it down. Like you were saying, like, be gentle with yourself. Like we're telling ourselves like, we're not good at this. We could never, you know, be financially stable or whatever, but also like you didn't dumb it down. Like you just, you had grace with us. You were gentle yeah. with us and like explained it. Like, this is how you do it. This is what you need to do, but you, you just did it in such a, a great way. So I hope anybody who's listening that you feel empowered and encouraged to just take it a step at a time and to, you know, take notes. If you need to listen to this again, like take notes and apply them as best as you can. Yeah. Guys, if I can do it, you can do it. And (laughs) showed us that. And you know what? You are just such an example to women of just a kick butt, awesome person who knows what she's doing, but also can break it down for the average Joe like me. I mean, seriously, incredible. I'm blown away. I'm not even making any sense. (laughs) No, you are. (laughs) That's so awesome. You ladies are amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Well, Christina, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, how many times have I said that tonight? I am ready for the world to hear this episode. You have been just such a light to us of encouragement and a wealth of information that, you know, we'll just use for years and years to come. And what I loved about our time with you is that this 
this is for anyone. This is really for anyone. And I know that our listeners are going to just eat this up. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being just so vulnerable, for being so just giving, really open. You have, I just could hug you through this screen. Your your arms are wide open and I wish you could see this beautiful woman, guys. She truly cares about women. She cares about people and she cares about people doing things more successfully than the hard times she had in her life. And it's really beautiful. And I know that God's going to bless you for just being so open and willing and honest. Oh, thank you. That makes my heart so happy. (laughs) No, absolutely beautiful. We cannot thank you enough. You guys are amazing. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Christina, where can we follow you on social media? How can we, how can people connect with you? I know you mentioned it earlier, but we just want to know, um, and we want to set our listeners up to reach out if possible, just for advice, even if just pointing them in the right direction. You can follow me on Instagram and send me a message. I'm Financial. Soon enough, I'll also have my website up and running. You can uh, check me out there, send me a message through that source. That's christinalynn.net. But like I said, you can also, if you have questions, I'd be happy to point you at least in the right direction. Christina at kaylerfinancial.com. Reach out. I just, I love what you guys are doing and you're here to empower women and I am all for that. Yay. Perfect way to wrap up. Well, we are excited for another episode of My Girl Podcast. Um, And like I said, you guys, listen to this over and over and over again if you need to. And we will make these uh, resources and ways to reach out to Christina available to you as well. So we are signing off and we will chat with you guys later. Bye. Bye. Hey girls, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also find us on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you there.